Hey guys, it's Tony. I'm here to talk to you about Awaken Conference. Now, Awaken is a young adult gathering in Charlotte, North Carolina from January 31st to February 2nd, 2020. And it's meant to help you recharge your spiritual life and connect with a community that you can grow your faith alongside. Now, this year's presenters include a killer lineup with Caleb Isley of Humans of Adventism and, of course, a friend of the podcast. He's been on a few episodes. Kim Cove, a licensed counselor, and Randy Ban, the creative producer at Nike World Headquarters. The keynotes will be brought by Ben Lundquist of the Rise and Lead podcast, uh, a good friend of mine and an amazing speaker. Trust me, guys, you will not want to miss out. And Absurdity will be there. So me and Becker, uh, you get, get to see us if you come out. Uh, would love to come and talk to you. We absolutely think that this is something you're going to want to come and see. Speaking of, if you enter the code Absurdity at awakennc.com, that's Absurdity, A-B-S-U-R-D-I-T-Y, at awakennc.com, you're going to get a 10% discount. We'd love to see you there. This is absolutely something that we support, and we think that Awaken is a part of the growing church movement that we want to see moving forward. Once again, if you enter code absurdity at awakennc.com, you'll get a 10% discount off the initial price. Love to see you guys there. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology. Hey everyone, welcome back to Absurdity. And to everyone who reads the Southern Accent and decided to check us out as well, welcome to Absurdity, if this is your first time listening to us. If you don't know, uh, Southern Accent is the student-led publication at Southern and just last week on Thursday, we were featured in it as a, a student submitted it to a poll um, as one of the Christian podcasts they listened to. So we were featured alongside one other Adventist podcast, The Oracle with Benjamin Amoa. So go check that one out if you haven't. But yeah, so we were re- recently featured on that. So thank you to all the students who submitted us. Um, so, uh, Tony, I guess I, I, I learned this recently. We are listened to pretty widely on Southern's campus. <laughs> Which is crazy because we haven't been there in a while. Yeah, it's been and I yeah, like it's been a while since I was. And there. I just moved back a few months ago. In fact, I don't even think a lot yeah. of the people that listen to it realize that, like, realize that I'm the one that's doing it. Like, people see me around campus. I don't think they realize that it's me. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm not saying like I'm some weird like pseudo celebrity or something. It's just kind of funny that apparently like. Absurdity is talked about a lot, but no one ever talks about it with me, so I had no clue up until recently. Um, it's fine with me. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's totally fine with None me. None of the people in yeah. your life listen no. to it, but the students yeah. do. Exactly. So, uh, which, by the way, I've been meaning to announce this on the podcast for the last several weeks, and I keep forgetting to, but uh, just a few weeks ago, I went through and found every single Adventist podcast that I could possibly find. Uh, if it was hosted by an Adventist, it counts. It doesn't necessarily have to be about Adventism. There's one on there that's about yeah. photography, I think. But I went through and made a master list with a link to the iTunes entry or the iTunes um, listing of every single Adventist podcast. There's over 40 right now on that list. So if you want to head over to theabsurdity.org slash Adventist podcasts, you can go check that out and see all of the different ones that are there. 
you are more than welcome to uh, go check that out. Obviously, Absurdity is not listed on there because you're on Absurdity's website to see the list. So I felt like it was kind of... If you get there... Yeah. <laughs> It's kind of redundant. Yeah, at that exactly. Point. But I, I there was part of me that I mean that might be, that might be an oversight because they might be like, "What is this website?" and just go to yeah. Other stuff, I, I've thought still. about maybe I should put myself on there anyway, That's but oh well, it's okay. Beating dead yeah. horse. Um, no, but so that exists. You're bit. welcome to go check that out or share that with anyone else. We actually got linked uh, sdadata.org, which is part of the communications department for I think the NAD, maybe it's the GC, um, but. Uh, they just linked to our master list as well, and they credited me, which I thought was awesome. Uh, they actually asked for permission to link, and they credited me. So shout out to them for being fantastic individuals. I appreciate it, because that list took me forever to make. <laughs> it Yeah, people don't realize like the amount of time it really does take to do kind of to set stuff like that up. And so a lot of times they'll just be like, oh, well, you know, and it's like, no, 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 that there's a legit like work and effort that went in. Oh yeah, that. absolutely. Exactly. So, uh, Tony today we'll jump right into it because why not? Right. I've actually been reading a lot. People hate, people have been hating, not us. I don't, I mean, I don't know about us, but like in general, I see a lot of complaints in the podcasting world about like the hosts wasting the first 20 minutes by bantering back and forth about their day. Just stop being passive aggressive. Just say Tony. So I've decided shut up to and get into it. Well, I mean, it's my fault too. I ask you how your day is. Like I give you the platform. Don't, I give don't, you the space. Don't try to make this about you, Becker. <laughs> this is this is about. Uh, did what did you, we talk about with projecting? Wait, wait. Somebody, somebody made an off, left an. Okay, I know we said we wouldn't do this, but somebody left an odd comment on our projection episode about like projecting unless it's positivity or something like that. And I was yeah, like, projecting is bad unless it's I empathy can't tell. or something. And I was like, I don't. Yeah. Like I can't tell if they're unhappy with us or yeah, they are happy I with no us. I had no idea how to take that. Yeah. I, your guess is as good as mine on that one. There's a reason I it didn't was, respond to that. Comment. I didn't. Um, yeah. I don't guess. I don't and anymore on the internet. I don't guess. But I don't even. But Tony, did you just, did you just say that absurdity with Ryan Becker is not, uh, not about Ryan Becker, at, not, not at all. Not even not, a little I'm bit. Not a, I'm actually not even involved in this podcast. One of these days, I'm going to get my name up as the actual true ruler because people don't realize this. You're just a figment. I actually have to record two different. I was going to say what, what they don't really like. Like you're when when this actually when you, I when you I don't edit exist. this and put it out, I edit my own voice out, so it's just you for an hour with a bunch of like long <laughs> silent gaps. No, you're you're. You're a you're a figment of my you're a character I created. So I just hired a model who looks like a friend I had in college to pretend to be this person because I can't say these types of things and keep the job I currently have. Yeah, I'm so. the but which is funny because you get all the negative feedback and I, as a figment of your imagination, get that, all the positive wouldn't that be, feedback. Wouldn't that suck? That would suck? Like as oh my gosh, that would be so funny. If you could, well, that's like Stephen Colbert. I mean, we'll get to it in a second, but like Stephen Colbert created the Colbert Report. Um, he created on that show like the persona of Stephen Colbert yeah. that wasn't him. And um, it's funny because like he was expecting people to hate it, but when they f- kind of fell in love with the character, he's like, wait, what? <laughs> and he ended up having it for, I think, like 10 or 11 years. And he's like, it's so hard walking away from that because that's not me yeah exactly like that wasn't supposed to be me people weren't supposed to like him they were supposed to hate him like i created this character so people could hate stephen colbert yeah. no that's yeah, that's accurate 
Uh, yeah, I love how I said we should try to avoid banter, and then I immediately entered into banter. Um, that was uh, my banter, fault. Uh, like banter in general isn't a bad thing, but I know that people hate when, like, you know, they're here to listen for a, a topic, and then we make them wait forever to get to said yeah. topic. Um, yeah. So we're at, we're there in under ten well, minutes. You can't, I don't know. You can't just like just jump. Is this is in the news? No, though? I no, like, I get it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. Like they want to. This is the like the little chance we get to be like you're a part of our lives a little bit to a to a degree. Listen, if you hate banter, know. let us know. If you like the banter that we had yeah. back and forth at the beginning of the show, also let me know. That way, we know what to do. Um, I I I don't thank think, you. By the yeah. way, to everyone who responded on Twitter, yeah. That was um, cool. I just put out a post like an hour before recording this, uh, seeing if anyone had any ideas for show episodes. So we got a few few people responding. Um, a few people responding. Some not so surprising. Some surprising. But we'll see if we get to those topics at some point. We'll see. But we'll today's see. We'll topic, see. We'll see. under 10 minutes, you, uh, you who believe that banter is bad. Uh, Let's have a rule. Under 10 minutes. Oh, I'm fine with under 10 minutes. Under yeah, 10. that's fine. Uh, not including ad space in like the five seconds of intro that yeah, yeah, before yeah, I start yeah. talking. Yeah. Today's topic is testimony culture. Testimony culture. And the reason that I thought about testimony culture is because uh, recently I've actually been working with uh, people sharing their testimonies, uh, writing their testimonies. Uh, we're looking at Student Week of Prayer coming up at Southern, and so people will be sharing their testimonies uh, at Southern and I wanted to talk about testimony culture. Not that I think that Southern this week of prayer or anything that's happened recently is playing into that, but actually um, I want to talk about it because I think overall the way that we approach testimonies in general as a church has been kind of fundamentally flawed over the last several... I mean, since I've known about testimonies, let me put it that way, I've seen it being fundamentally flawed and I didn't really realize it until my early 20s. but I'm sure it's been messed up for a much larger time in Christian history. Like, let's just put it that way. Um, so uh, as is yeah. tradition on absurdity, and I say it every... It's becoming tradition to say as is tradition on absurdity. But uh, as usual, we will give you some operating definitions for testimony culture, for what a testimony is, that kind of thing. And so to get there, let's ask the question first, Tony, what is a testimony? So um, my understanding of it, and this is just my understanding of it, um, is a testimony is when somebody gives their own personal story of what God has done in their life. Like that's the most bottom line general description ever. Anything you're testifying to what God has done in your life. Generally, what we use it for now, when you think of testimony, and then what we're kind of going to talk about, um, and and to me, something that we need to get away from and back towards the more general definition, is how you got converted. Um, what God has done in your life pre- and post-conversion. And so it becomes this long, meandering sermon thing um, that kind of, it's kind of become like a beast, you know what I mean? Like, like it's become this kind of monster that when people say like it's testimony time, it's like, all right, strap in, folks. Like this is gonna get weird. It's gonna get weird. It's gonna um, get heavy. It's gonna be and long. It's gonna be long. Whatever it is, it's going to take three hours. Yes. Whatever yes. it is, I remember one dude. He's a, a friend of mine. He gave his testimony for an hour and forty five minutes and offended four different specific groups 
in the testimony. Wow. And I was like, that's actually that's impressive. I was actually impressed. Yeah, that's impressive. I know. Like I I, I as the longer it went, the more people walked out, the more I was like, wow. I'm like Yeah. I felt like Ron Burgundy just I'm not even mad. Like, wow, that's huh. <laughs> mm, he's still going. I would have ran out of work. Like my my self awareness would have been like, I have no more words. Bye. Like I'm gonna pray and go, but he just barreled through, man, stuck to his notes. Yeah. So, I had a friend him. who went for um I have no idea if he listens to this, and if he does, I hope that he's not bothered by this. I haven't asked for his permission to share this, but he has no idea. Like, no one else knows who I'm talking about, so. Um, I do. I know everything. But in high school, a friend of mine shared his testimony during a Friday Night Vespers, and he went for about an hour and a half into great, great no. detail. On a Friday yeah, great, night? great, great oh. detail uh, about his testimony in high school. Uh, so... Because in How, high school, even in I, college, we don't really learn the difference between talking about your struggle and airing your dirty laundry. Um, but here's yeah, so no, here's the kicker. A fine line. We'll get to that. So the but, chaplain yeah. eventually kind of cut him off um, and ended vespers. Ha, didn't ha, like walk up and like so take he, the mic. He, he didn't even like finish, but like he was like, yeah, yeah. He done. he the chaplain did it in a how pretty you, classy way. Uh, um, I'll, I'll, okay. I'll put that. Good for um, him. I don't remember exactly how, but I know that my friend wasn't like bothered by it. But I was talking to my friend afterwards, and he said, um, like he wasn't bothered by the way he was cut off. Obviously, he was bothered that he was cut off. But he literally, my friend, I asked him, man, how do you feel like you did or like you did a good job, whatever. I was affirming. And he goes, yeah, I just don't know why he cut me off. Like I wasn't even halfway done yet. Oh. And I was just. How do you have that much testimony? At how 16, many, like, 17 years old. What crack baby meth living? Like, I don't even understand how you can have that much of a testimony unless he had like brittle bone disease and every day he was going to die. Like, then I'm like, you can go for three hours. I got that by high school. But I, I don't even understand. You haven't lived that much life yet. Yeah. No, it was it was just he 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 had apparently um and i like i said i don't necessarily think it's a terrible thing it was just he had a fundamental misunderstanding it's just a long yeah, time yeah he had a fundamental misunderstanding of how to give a testimony which is more of a fault of those who let him speak more so than the students fault themselves and so right. like that i don't have an well, issue with length when you don't, necessarily one of the things that well okay i so a friend of mine brought up an HMS Richards quote the other day, and I thought it was like perfect. He goes, the the brain can only accept, I'll, I'll say the way he said it, the brain can only absorb what the posterior can handle or something along those lines. Dang it, I had it. But basically, like, you're not going to listen if you're not comfortable. Um, if, if, if your booty's getting sore, like, you're going to get up and go. And I'm like, yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, I've been in church services that were like four and a half hours. And by the end, I'm like, I don't even know what's happening. Like they could have gone up and been like, boogity, boogity, boogity. And I would have been like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. That makes sense. Cause I had no idea what was happening and I just wasn't used to it. Like if you're used to it, that's fine. But most people 45 minutes and they're out, especially in the ADHD generation. Well, okay. But my thing is that time and length of a length of testimony or length of, of your sermon is more if, of a symptom of, of the misunderstanding of, of how to share a testimony than like, it's right. not the problem. It's a symptom of the problem. That's, that's what I mean. And if you can, 
if you can do it well, an hour and a half, like there, I, there are people who can make an hour and a half feel like 20 minutes and there are people who can make 20 minutes seem like an hour and a half. So I'm a hundred percent. And this podcast like, the is there. The time category. is all relative. We, we yeah, make 20 no, minutes feel like forever. It feels forever. No, <laughs> it's been 15 minutes and it feels like forever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like that to me, it always gets me like with the length as far as like we don't train people to understand how to do testimonies correctly. I think that to me is the biggest complaint I always have when coming up to it because it's like, dude, why? Okay, so here, here's here's what a testimony looks like in my head, which is the basic parts and why it can be so short and why it tends to be long. So like the basic, the main parts of a testimony are this was a problem in my life. You describe what the problem is. Big, small, doesn't matter. This is how God responded to it. This is my response to God's action in my life, which can be, um, you know, the, the typical, like, I woke up in a heroin den with a needle in my arm, and now I'm clean for, you know, 45 days or eight years or whatever. It can be that, or it can even be something like, you know, I I was trying to find my car keys and I was late for work. It was just one of those days and I just prayed and I said, God, I am stressed. I'm angry. I'm, I'm all these things. I need you. And it seems like a small thing, but I found my car keys. And you know what? I'm just so grateful and thankful because it just made my day perfect. It was just one of those little things where God reached down and told me that he loved me. That's just as much a testimony. Yeah. Like those two things, those are the three main parts of the testimony problem, God's action, your response. It can even be that it wasn't solved by the way. Well, and that's, yeah. that can be a testimony too. I think, I think uh, the, the way that I tend to describe it, at least in the overall general sense is before Jesus, Jesus, since Jesus, <laughs> those are the three parts that I, I, I like, what has life been like yeah. since, since that Jesus moment. And really since to, to share and, your testimony, again, you have to be in at least step two. You have to be in the at least step two. It, otherwise, no, no. you're not giving a testimony. You're just telling it, like I have a problem. People, yeah, that's a prayer request. That's, <laughs> that's, a, that's please a pray. Um, that's that's the difference. But like, and, and at least in step two, you can at least say like I don't know what's going to happen, but I found the girl that I was looking for on the internet or whatever. I don't know. Um, that's creepy. I. I, I yeah, it does. It did That's sound a really, really like, creepy. I went on a I went on a great date, or we met at a yeah. thing, and I and I finally found her, yay, or something, or I don't know, whatever. Like, I got I I got an interview for a job. Let's put it that yeah. way. You know what I mean? Where you can be like, keep praying, but thank you so much, and and you know, God, this is amazing. But again, even then, we live. Your testimony is part three of that, right? That event happened in the past, and now you're responding to it. So even if your testimony, even if it's like, I just had to stand up and say something, or I had to talk, or I had to share this, like, that's test testimony. So yeah, I think that the pre... Well, what were the three that Before you said? Before Jesus, Jesus, since Jesus. Yeah. With, Jesus. with Jesus. I think that's yeah. a better one. I, uh, well, Because yeah. it sounds like you leave Jesus Well, since Jesus, I mean, like, since the moment that Jesus intervened. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, really yeah. Mean. since that moment. Um, yeah. But yes, I know. I used to say after Jesus, but yeah, which it's, was worse. Um, yeah. Oh. <laughs> after Jesus was much oh. worse. <laughs> it sounds better, Post. like, like, like. Postcard. Like, yeah. Which, it, it, you know what you mean, it but at the same sounds time, it just sounds. Bad. Yeah. 
Yeah, it sounds uh, a little no, odd. No, okay. So, like, here's here's my biggest issue with testimony culture. We've talked to, everyone has an idea of what we're talking about now when we talk about testimonies. We've given some examples. My problem actually isn't the testimonies themselves. Um, I love and, and my, I love that people share them. I love that that we talk about them. Yeah. Like, there's there's definitely room for it. My problem is how we over we we favorite or we play favorites and we aim to celebrate the quote unquote worst testimonies, like the more dramatic ones, the ones that are um the ones that are way more exciting or adventurous, or, you know, I was so far from God, and then God did this, you know, and I was in drugs, and I woke up, you said this before we recorded, I, w- I woke up with a needle in my arm, and that was when, you know, I saw Jesus, and he, and he stepped in. You know, they're, they're these, like, super, super dramatic stories that we share, and the church looks for those, right? Though You never hear the story from up front, of the guy who was born, or the girl who was born and raised a Christian, never really went through anything, and they stayed a Christian, or like they became a Christian. They, you know, they accepted it for themselves. Yeah, and life's yeah. been pretty decent. You know, there's they haven't like had some early someone die early. They haven't had to fight some terrible disease. Um, you know what I mean? Like the, you don't hear those stories yet. Those stories, like the stories where nothing bad happens to you, are the ideal. <laughs> almost like but we want but we yeah. tell and we we glorify the stories where something terrible has happened to someone and what it the message that it communicates is that your story isn't of value unless you were a worse sinner like that's the message that it like or or the more the worse the sinner the more value the testimony has yeah. and that's and and so if i haven't had anything a, like a sliding yeah scale. if i haven't had anything terrible happen to me then i must be doing something wrong that is which is is funny because like well i had uh, so i t- i gave my testimony which is fairly similar to what you described i was born into the church oh i know tony i make fun of you all the time i decided for, to follow jesus yeah. i make fun of you all the time and, for having nothing uh, terrible happen to you yeah so <laughs> anyway um which is not I true know it's not, yeah everyone, no it's not but true. that's it's cool uh but yeah, like I, I gave that up at a summer camp and a friend of mine came and gave his testimony and his was literally that I was doing a ton of drugs and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he's like, I'm just so glad. He's like, I'm so jealous of your testimony. He literally said from the front, he's like, I'm so jealous of Tony's testimony because I wish I could say, because it was, I was severely ostracized and bullied in high school by non-Adventists. And I was telling people about how hard it, you know, yeah. it was, it was about forgiveness, the power of forgiveness. Because I was, it was really hard, and it was this group, and it was just very frustrating to try to connect with them, and it was a whole thing. And then to, it was like I had to forgive, and it was a really cool story. Um, but it's that idea of God did something in my life, and I go, I'm just so grateful that I've learned this thing of forgiveness, right? And he goes, I wish I could learn that. He goes, because my testimony involves me having years of pain and scarring and, and having to deal with the consequences of these horrible decisions I made for so many years. He goes, I wish I had your testimony. And he's doing this in tears, by the way. Like, everyone's crying. And he goes, I'm so grateful that you have that. And it was such a flip for me because I had never experienced that before. Yeah. It was like the opposite of everything we've talked about. And that's the only reason I knew. I was like, this is cool. This is significant because I'd never heard that before. Because we kind of want to glorify the problem and not what God has done. 
which is the point of the testimony. And he said, this is what God has done in both our lives. Look how amazing God is. And both of us did a really great job of pointing out what God had done, not what we were doing. Yeah. And I think that's when a testimony can become super powerful. Well, and this is like, I actually think because of the way we glorify the 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 the, the, the dramatic testimonies, we actually risk leading people into sin. Like I know, so, and here's what I mean by that. I want to, someone's like, what, how, what? Okay. When, when we're preparing a church service, when we're preparing a sermon, the goal is obviously with the non-believer in mind, right? The goal is to give a message that resonates more powerfully with a non-believer because the believers are already good, right? They're already saved. We're good. We don't need to worry about them. Um, okay. So fine. Well and good that you want to target that audience. Totally fine. The problem is not that you should be pandering to those who are believers. The problem is that by consistently, on a regular basis, over and over and over again, telling the dramatic stories, what you are telling the believers is that they need, that they're, they haven't had the experience with Jesus if they haven't done something terrible yet, right? So if um, there are people, there are actually people who I, I believe have been convinced that they need to do something terrible in order to be a Christian. They need to have done something like way worse than just not believing in Jesus to, uh, to actually join in the fold because they need a story to tell. Uh, because no one's going to care about their story. No one's going to listen to their story. They don't matter if their story isn't exciting enough. So we give the platform to the exciting stories. We give the platforms to the gangbangers, to the dr- drug addicts, and those, which is fine. Um, no big deal that we share those stories. The problem is we don't. We often forget to value those who don't have that exciting story, or uh, those who haven't figured it out yet. That's the other thing that kills me. Yeah, that's the other. Th- and, yeah. and, and I see. It. Go ahead. Well, because well, because we assume that those people have figured it out, by the way. And it gives rise to the idea that when you get baptized, all of a sudden you figure things out. And and I've had so many times to have to talk to my kids, um, my youth as a youth pastor, and my students at the school. <laughs> I have to be careful yeah. when I say my kids. Um, my youth and, and my students, I have to constantly reiterate to them Baptism is the start of a marathon, right? Like, it's cool to celebrate, but I go, but the real celebration doesn't go until the end. So I'm like, it's going to get harder from here. A marathon doesn't start hard and get easier. It starts hard. I don't like running, so it starts hard and it gets worse. Um, But that's the reality is your Christian walk, while it's not going to get necessarily easier, the closer you are to God, I believe it, it gets more peaceful. But you look at Paul, you look at some of these other guys, like, it doesn't get easier. And so we assume that these people, because we have this thing where bad, God, now good, we assume that they have things figured out. And I'm like, that person's still an addict. I can't tell you the amount of testimonies I have heard from people who were addicts and relapsed. And all of a sudden there's this... um, I, 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 I don't want to quite say... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There's this uh, sense of um, dis... Uh, uh, and people get disappointed, but not, it's not quite disappointed. Oh, my goodness. My brain is just shut off. This is why I shouldn't do Greek before I record. No, no, no. It's it's a dis... It's a dis um, Satisfaction? 
kind of. I don't know. I don't they know get what you're dis- disappointed. For. They just get disappointed because disillusioned. disillusioned. They get kind of disillusioned because they were like, I thought they had it figured out. Why are they relapsing? Like they have Jesus. Why do they still have problems? And it's like, yeah, because nobody really has it truly all figured out. So when you tell the testimony, if you focus on yourself and your journey, you get this idea that, well, they have it figured out. And I admit, I totally had it growing up. I totally felt that way where I was like, oh man, this pastor, you know, he was, you know, into the heavy metal or the hair metal scene. And then he, you know, drove his car into a forest and miraculously walked out and now he's fine. And it's like, no, that dude is still on his journey yeah. or, or gal is, are still on their journey with, with God. They're still walking. They're still a part of that. There's still lessons for them to learn. And so I think that's so important for us to, to really, I think it's important for us to teach people how to give good testimonies and what's important in it so that we can avoid that idea because then we can validate everyone's story because it's not about you. It's not about what you've done or where you were. It's about what God is doing in your life. Well, and that's, and has yeah, I mean, I can't count how many porn addicts have probably gone back into porn after sharing their testimony about how God saved them from it or whatever, you know, they got out of it, have gone back into it. And then it's worse because now that they've talked about it, they feel like they can't, they, they feel like they can't admit that they've gone back into it. Like, which if you, if you, if you've never shared a fault in a church before, Oh boy, that takes a ton of yeah. courage. Anyone who does that in in a correct setting, I don't think the pulpit is a, is a the best setting for it. You might be able to to work it to a way that it's okay, but where it's acceptable. But to me, I think if you've ever shared a weakness, especially as a leader, oh, well, that takes a lot a of courage. There's a reason why, and and it's there's so a hard. reason why most leaders get caught in scandals rather than get caught in confessions. <laughs> But oh, yeah. no, like here's so Macklemore actually has a song. There's, there's no reward for confessing. Yeah, Macklemore has there's a no f- has a song on his first album, like his first self produced album with Ryan Lewis, I think. Yeah, it, and it's called yeah. Starting the, Over. Uh, I forget what it's called. The uh, the, the heist. heist. Yes, the heist, the heist, which is an amazing album. I'm now going to re listen to it this week because it's just such a good album. But he has a song called Starting Over where he talks about him relapsing into alcohol. After he's already talked about it, he wrote the song Other Side, which has helped other people with it. And they come and tell him, oh, you know, you wrote Other Side. Your story's so inspiring to me. And it made me give it gave me the strength to quit drinking or to quit drugs before it was too late. And he's like, they don't know that I just relapsed 48 hours ago. Um, And it's this powerful. Basically, what happens is when you've shared that you've successfully beaten something, there's the expectation now put on you that you'll never fall back into it. And because we've glorified that, it leads people into further shame, further addiction, further pain, because now they, they, can't, they can't admit. Now it takes double the effort to admit that they've messed up. Well, because, yeah, and, and I think, again, it goes back to that idea, because in the initial testimony, it should be, I am so glad God has brought me on this journey. Um. The only time to me when we can actually give testimonies of the past and now I'm good is when we're in heaven. Like we're given, we're giving heaven type of testimonies while we're still on earth. And it's like, that's why there's this expectation. It's like, if you understand it as God has now brought me onto this continuing journey. I was talking to um, our, our housemate Floyd. He was preaching a sermon the other day. We were talking about this idea that the Hebrews in the Bible they understood, we understand cause and effect with an emphasis on the effect. 
that's very Western Greek. Um, we look at what it did. We focus on the explosion or what the explosion did rather than what caused it. We're not as interested in that um, as a society, which is why we have detectives and different things because they can go back and they have that different mindset. But in the Hebrew understanding, the Eastern understanding, they were much more, and I don't call it cause, I call it catalyst. They're much more interested in what caused it than the effect. And so for them they would understand that it's not about where you are, it's where you're headed. Where are you headed? And so you have this book of Jonah where Jonah is a prophet of God. Like he hears the voice of God speak to him. I can't think of being closer to God. Like I haven't heard the voice of God. Have you heard an audible voice? I mean, I've heard myself. Is that, does that, I'm just kidding. No, I'm not the voice of God. Before anyone, first of all, First of Tony all, Tony just backed up from his camera so that the lightning that's about to strike me doesn't also strike him. We, <laughs> we all know that the voice of God is going to either sound like Anna Bennett or Gordon Beats and probably a mix of the that. two. Um, <laughs> a, a voice that's in perfect harmony with itself. <laughs> yeah, it's so. The, no, I have the never second, heard the voice of God. Secondly, so I, I haven't either. But to me, it's like there's a prophet of God, right, who does God's work. And the only person in this story full of sinners and non-believers and animals working on instinct, the only person that does not follow God is Jonah. And Jonah literally, if you read the text um, and you look for patterns, which I did, I, I, was, I was going through this when I did the, the week of prayer at Thunderbird, it, it keeps saying down, 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 down. God keeps telling him go up and he keeps going down, down, down. And I kept telling the kids, or I kept telling, I told the kids, the point of the book of Jonah is not even what God can do and that he forgives and everything. It's where you're headed, not where you are. Because the king of Nineveh, who's a horrible person and is so bad that God's like, I'm going to give you basically a week or I'm going to just, or like three days and I'm going to destroy this entire city because y'all are horrible, follows God, starts heading in the right direction and gets forgiven. And Jonah is not. And God's like, um, do you understand the difference? He got it. You didn't. You're my prophet. Yeah, That's the point. It's it's where you're headed. And I think if we begin to emphasize that, to me, I think testimonials, uh, testimonies and testimonials, um, the reason why we, we glorify the bad ones so much is because we have this mentality of we have arrived, and we want this mentality in our church of arrived. We have arrived, right? Um, I went to a large convention of, and I, I won't say exactly what it is, but it's a ministry. It's a very common ministry in the United States and outside of the United States. And it's a big convention at the end of the year. I will say this as a hint. It, it happens usually during the summer, um, although it can happen all during the year, but usually during the summer. So at the end of the summer, big convention, and they all got together, and these people were telling the testimony of these different things. And they kept saying the phrase, I'm so glad I was got to this person, now they're Adventist. Uh, they used to be Methodist, now they're Adventist. Oh, they were Catholic, and now they're Adventist. And I said, shouldn't we be saying they were lost, and now they're found? Shouldn't we be celebrating the fact that a child of God has come back to the Father, not that they became Adventists. And I realized because that for them was the pinnacle of your Christian experience, was just becoming, oh, he made it into the church. Yep, he's safe. She made yep. it into the church. They made it into the church. That's all that they need. And it's like, yep. no, that's the, you don't get excited when someone makes it to the starting line. I mean, it's good that they're headed in the right direction because it's better than heading in the wrong direction. But I'm like, 
I, I, this is why to me, weddings, not that big a deal. It's the same mentality, right? How many, dude, how many you're just people saying that you're not have married, gotten Tony. divorced of your friends? I, sure. How many <laughs> of our friends have gotten divorced since we started college that got married when we that got married either when we were in college or after? Uh, I will count five. I know six. Okay, I know so six. there might be some overlap there, but I, I think it's about five. There are probably a few, um, but I'm also counting people I did, that didn't go to. Yeah, Southern. no, same. I'm counting so, people just that I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and that's just. I went to college five years ago. That's in five years. I know. No, there's more. Eight, eight people. Some of them were older than me, so that's a little bit more. But I'm like, that's ridiculous. So to me, I go back to, I, I think it's awesome that we celebrate a marriage, but the amount of money that's spent on it, save that for the, your 50-year anniversary. That's that's a, woo, they made it 50 years? That's crazy. You know, don't celebrate the beginning of a race. Yeah. Celebrate the end of it. Um, celebrate the journey on, but, like, it's it's I, it's just so backwards well, to me. This is this is where I tend to land, right? And, and, and it's... I'm I'm resonating with what you're saying, and I think I'm going to yes and it here. I think a testimony should glorify. Oh, well, this is you know, we we haven't yes ended no, in a while. We've yeah. been at at odds. No, we're, we're finally yes and This is yeah, nice. This is, this is a nice feeling. Yay. Hey, we're friends again. Um, <laughs> a testimony shouldn't mourn your past. It should celebrate what God has done or God is doing. Yes, like that's oh come so on. That, preach. that is what it should do. But unfortunately, what we do is we turn everything into mourning. Right? That's what we do. That's why when we share a testimony, everyone's crying because of such such, such a terrible thing. You spend t- eighteen out of twenty minutes talking about your past, and in the last two minutes, you spend talking about what God did. Hold on. Like, what part of your story? Uh, where where is God in this? How much does He actually matter there? And but the problem is we teach people to do that. And unfortunately, what we do is we let testimonies are a continuum, right? But we have a dualistic approach to them because either it's something that you are struggling with or something that you like, it's something that you have struggled with or it's something that you um, or something that you've defeated or it is uh, a moment that you that you went through, right? Like a like a trial that you went through, right? So it's either a personal battle that you yeah. face, like an addiction, or it's some moment that you that happened to you. Um, but there's there's only the duality of those two things. There is no there is no expectation of journeying together. So the church is good at mourning together. The church is good at, but the church is pretty bad at. We'll even celebrate with you, sure, but we don't want to journey with you. So. If I yeah. if I said, "Hey, I'm battling pornography," and or I'm battling, uh, you know, a, a tobacco or smoking addiction, um, and you know, I beat it. I haven't smoked in a year. I'm doing well. But hey, church, there is always the chance, as with any addiction, that relapse happens, and I need your help on that day. If that day were to ever come, and I'm not saying it is, I'm not saying I expect it to, but I don't know the future. And if that day should ever come, I need you. Right. But we can't, but then yeah. like, we, no, here, but absolutely. here's the problem. We can't say that because, Oh, then we're, then we're advocating for, or making room for them to fail. Uh, we're expecting failure. And that's not what that is at all. It's a reminder that this is a journey that we're on together. And the church is terrible yeah. at journeying together. That's why I think the beauty of, of yeah, we, we don't, we don't do discipleship. No, the, though, man. The, we really the church, don't. Like the more I study it, we we just we fail no, there more than we more than we. Succeed. I look at history, man. I look at I look at the Israelite history. The one thing that the Israelites did was fight and face adversity together. And I think I was I was thinking about this the other day when whenever Moses like 
uh, someone mentioned it in some podcast. I think it was Red Couch with Propaganda, but I could be wrong. Uh, someone mentioned the that every time Moses turned around, the Israelites were uh, were sinning again. So like one day they tell him they're committed, and then the next day he turns around and they're building an idol again. And I'm like, and and when they're not and when they're not building an idol, they're complaining. Yeah, and about I'm sitting there like the situation. I'm sitting there like all six hundred thousand Israelites were not uniform. It was likely that there was a large group that came to him and was committed, and then the next group, the next day, he encountered another group out of that six hundred thousand people that were the ones building the altar, or, or like the idol. Like this is, you know what I mean? Like it's not like all six hundred thousand of them had a group meeting or committee meeting every day of all six hundred thousand of them without behind yeah, Moses' <laughs> behind back. back while he was in the shower. Like, it's not, you know what I mean? Like, okay, okay, he's in, he's in, he can't hear us. We Guys. have this monolithic view of what the Israelites were. No, they were a community journey, community journeying together. That's what they were. And some of them fell by the wayside at different it's, times. It, and I think you, you get this from some, so many amazing stories. Like, I love the story of Gideon because the first actual act Gideon does is not the whole soldiers thing. He goes into his father's or the, the community worship area and tears down this this tree to the fertility goddess and it's called the Asherah pole it's a whole thing um and when they get together his wimpy dad literally stands up and goes no he did the right thing we should we should have been doing this and as a community they come together and admit their fault and you know what i mean and they like give their little testimony and it's awesome because that is exactly what it's supposed to look like like that's what church is supposed to be where we come together and say hey Dude, we have been messing this up. I'm I love when I hear about churches who come together and study the Bible together and come to some truth together and change the church. Like um ah, oh, what's the Francis Chan's church or his ex church out in California? Oh, I can't remember the name, but I know what you're talking um, about. Yes, yeah. So they got together and as a church, they were reading and the studying, and they said, you know what, we don't find any biblical evidence for having a big fancy building. So they literally sold the building and the property built like an outdoor, basically an auditorium because they're in California. So, you know, decent weather all year. Um, But they made it super simple. They just, they built it so that the acoustics, so they needed minimum, you know, sound equipment and whatever. And, and they just said, we would rather. And so they, I think they bought a series of apartments and started like basically section eight housing, but privately. And as a church, and I'm like, how amazing is that? Yeah. To me, I'm like, that was that's such a testimony to me. And I go, that's that's a church journeying together, discovering the word of God together. That's how you know at that time they were healthy, because to to do that, you have to be united. You have to have people that are reading, discovering, listening to the word of God. And and that's the point I think of the testimony is testimony is supposed to come together and help encourage people to see what God is doing. That's why we actually do church. Like personally, all right, rant time. Get ready. Oh wait, it's rant time now. Just starting right Get now. Get ready. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we're told we're not supposed to expect a sermon every single week. This is Ellen Ellen White. Those of you who don't like Ellen White, there's no biblical evidence for a sermon. There's biblical evidence for a scripture reading, but not a sermon. Um, there's traditional, but the, the, the way that we do it is not biblical. So I actually believe that once a month at minimum, I would love if we just do a, a music and testimony church. And if I ever build a church, 
Um, if I ever plant one, like that's what we're going to do at least once a month. Is just It's going to be service projects uh, uh, the week before, and then we're going to come together. We're going to talk about what God has done. And literally, it's just going to be people doing that. Like, not from the front. It's not going to be, you know, we're going to teach people how to do it, but it's going to create a culture of knowing how to do these testimonies well and just saying, this is what God's done in my life. Please pray. And it's not going to be my sister. It's not going to be prayer requests. It's not going to be, we need to get together because, man, uh, uh, the it's getting bad out there and God needs to come soon. Because No, we're not getting into all of that. I appreciate that you think God is coming soon. I believe it too, but that's not the point of a testimony. The point of testimony is not to point to people back to how bad things are. It's supposed to tell people what God has done in your life. You testifying of what God has done. And there are some churches who actually do that a lot better than the Adventist church. Like they have this kind of consistently, they do that. Now I will say that I've been to a few where it's become, shall I say, attention seeking, right? Yeah. Like the rhythms are there, but they're kind of doing it just for attention more for more than um, like they want to do their own sermon or, or, you know, rather than, than that. But I would rather have that than nothing at all or not doing it correctly. And so, Okay. That's my rant. Rant's just about over. Um, one last thing. I will say this. I knew there was more. The worst testimony I ever heard. The worst testimony I ever heard. Um, and this is not to, to shame anyone. I just want you guys to understand from a technical aspect, right? We're not shaming this is why the, it was story. the worst We're ever. shaming the, the, yeah, the technical side of it. The, the individual. We're, we're, yeah, we're just shaming we're the shaming individual. The yes. person. <laughs> it, like, here's his specific. <laughs> no. Uh, it was a guy. Uh, but and I'm not going to say when this happened in my journey, but I'll just say I was a leader of a church. Someone came to ask for money uh, to do a mission trip, and they went to give their testimony. And as they gave their testimony, they literally just talked about for the majority of the testimony, and it was broken up, and they did it in a very long way with songs and all this other stuff. Um, they did it so that it... I, I I used to have all these fancy cars and I used to have all this money and oh I gave it up and it just it put them in a light to where now they were, had arrived and they were doing this mission trip and they were you know the ministry and all this stuff and I wanted to say this is the exact like it was the exact opposite of what a testimony should be. It did not glorify God, it focused all on them. It did not talk about what God had done since then. It literally didn't say, let me tell you what God is doing in my life. It's because of this that I have to go out and do this mission trip and everything. It literally said, it, it, anyway, the point is that it focused completely on the person's self. And the worst part of it is this was for money. And I go, this is fundamentally what's wrong with our church is that this person believes this is the best way to get money for this, or funds, I should say, to fundraise for this mission trip is by pointing out how good they are rather than, look, this is what God's put on my heart, and I need your help. Well, that's there's there's a big part in, in missions in general, which is why I kind of think that in some cases, not all, no one, no one would freak out, all right? In some cases, mission work as an industry is is a scam. And what I mean by that is that, uh, there's an episode yeah, there. There is 100% and I've talked I've I've mentioned this before, but basically if you're a long-term missionary, the only way for you to get money is by telling 
uh, major stories. The only way that people will continue to donate to you is if there's some major stories. The problem with that is, and any long-term missionary will tell you, not every single day, month, week, whatever, is full has some amazing experience that happened. Most of the time, as a missionary, what you're doing is daily life with the community that you've gone to uh, serve. And so your life doesn't, like, there isn't some big demon possession story. There isn't some big thing that has happened. And so what you actually have is a culture, you've built up an industry where, where missionaries in and outside of Adventism uh, have to make up stories or they have to embellish stories just so that donors will keep, will keep writing to them. And it's, or donors will keep giving to them. They have to make up these stories or embellish them. And it's ridiculous because it basically glorifies, and this is actually, okay, ready for this one? I believe right. that, that because of testimony culture, we're all secretly last generation theology. Because of the types of testimonies that we, are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this theory? Yeah. Because yeah. that made you real, that made you, I, 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 heard, I heard you back, that's, all right? Ready? Here's why. All right. That's, that's not, all Last, right. genera- last generation theology basically says that, you know, there will be, before Christ comes back, a generation that has, that has completely conquered or victori- been victorious over sin. Very, yeah. very prevalent now, yeah. in very, our church Very today. prevalent in Adventism right now, but um, the it's false. Let me just put it that way. And when I say that we, yeah. we, we low-key or secretly believe in it, it's not necessarily that we believe there's a generation that, that, that will be. It's not necessarily that we like overtly agree with it, but rather by, we by glorifying testimonies that only exist in a world where people have completely conquered sin, right? By only, by only sharing the stories or by, by highlighting the stories where people have, have, have conquered their sin— uh, we basically tell people that you absolutely can conquer, um, that we put the expectation on people that once you've conquered it, you can never, you know, once you've, once you've found Jesus, you can never struggle again, or you should never have to struggle with that again. Um, and that's just not how life works. But this is why we have the expectation on pastors that a pastor can't sin. A pastor can't struggle with anything yeah. Um, yeah. because yeah. we believe that if you found Jesus, you shouldn't be sinning anymore. And it's true, like, you, you shouldn't be, but we're human, and we do. Romans 7 is a perfect example of it. I do what I don't want to do. My, body, my mind knows better, but my body does still. And, well, and so this is, yeah. this is what I mean by we're all secretly LGT. It's not, um, it's not necessarily that we all believe in LGT, but it's just that we glorify and we, we put on this quiet expectation that if you've beat it once, you've beat it, for, uh, you've beat it all. Yeah. You're not allowed to fail. You're not allowed to relapse. You're not and, allowed and, to struggle well, and journey. And we, and we talked about this a little bit with pastors who are questioning. Like, we don't have a good space because pastors shouldn't be questioning. No. Right? That's the expectation. And it's like, no, they should absolutely be questioning. Um, well, we need a safe space for that to happen. And we haven't been building that because I think I, 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 I'm with you. I think in uh, testimonies among a lot of other places, and I don't know if it's chicken or the egg situation, right? Did last generation theology oh, create yeah. those type of testimonies? Did those type of testimonies create, you know, so on and so forth? But I, I think a big thing is that we expect for people to be perfect, and it's like that's not biblical at all. And and by the way, for those of you who maybe have heard or, or are unsure of last generation theology, uh, I worked with a person that was an avid last generation theology. I went to school with several of them, and they will not admit it. Uh, but it governs their life. There's a huge organization yeah. in our Adventist church that they promote it. From they, their their founders promoted it. 
the person that put them on the map promoted it, and they invite speakers who promote it. And they can deny it all they want, but that's their reality. And so it affects a lot of people. Um, I've lost church members, specifically from this organization, to last generation of theology. Now they're anti-Trinitarians. And, and there's a direct line from that, by the way. There's a whole class you take here in the seminary that literally just focuses on that. And I think that has affected our testimonies so much, not only to the point of it's affected uh, our testimonies, but our pastors, our discipleship. Why do we need to—why do we suck at discipleship? Because we're Adventists, therefore we've made it. So just read Ellen White, you know, have Vespers in your home, don't break the Sabbath, and you're fine. Just keep your your yeah. your private parts away from other people and— Make sure you tithe, and you're fine. And it's like, dude, there's so much more. David said, I could contemplate all day on your law. You can't contemplate something that you've already arrived at. Right? David was a man after God's own heart. Paul was, you know, uh, John the Baptist was, there was no one higher born. They all had moments of doubt or moments where they specifically said, you know, Paul, I love Paul. I love it, because at the end of his life, he goes, the things I don't want to do, I do. And the things I do, I don't want to do. And and things like, I have this thorn in my side, and it wouldn't go away. He admits his faults late in life. And yet we as a church, because of this concept of last generation, theo- last generation theology, we have come up with the idea of well, you have to make it. And we've perpetuated it, even if we don't ostensibly believe it, we accept it, because we perpetuate these types of testimonies rather than, let me tell you, a testimony, it doesn't need to be, it can be, but it doesn't need to be an hour. It doesn't need to be 45 minutes. It can be 30 seconds. All you are doing is testifying to what God has done in your life and responding to it. That's all you're doing. And and to me, the short ones are just as powerful as the long ones. In fact, I would dare to say probably more powerful for me personally because after three minutes I start to wander and I have to like concentrate on what you're saying. So it, it's so cool to me to see people who get that. And as a church, when when people do that correctly, I think it's it's I applaud it. I encourage that. Do it right. And I think we need to train people how to do it correctly and then do it more. Cause I think the other thing is we're out of practice. Like we don't have a lot of testimonies at churches. Yeah, I think um how do I want to say this? I, I'm, you hate yes, me. Yes, I do. No, I. Uh, there are people that heard that have heard what we just said over the last five minutes and are, and are probably saying like, no, but you can conquer sin. No, but you can beat it. No, but you won't struggle with it anymore. And I'm sitting here going, yes, there are certain things that you can, uh, that you will conquer, that you'll never struggle with again, and that will be put behind you. That varies for each and every person. Like, I wish we would stop putting the, the expectation on the sin and and like and giving the nuance to like like this specific sin is conquerable in a hundred percent of cases. No, how about this person can conquer these sins, right? Like this is I I, I have a I have a, a a church member had a church member who they were addicted to alcohol, they were addicted to smoking. Um, they gave up smoking, walked to, or no, sorry, they gave up alcohol. Walked away from it, 100%. Never wanted to teach another drink. It took them two years to give up smoking. Yeah, everyone everyone. And they still different. want a cigarette. Like, they'll still say, like, it's hard because I smell it. I still want it. But 
but God has got me through that. Even in a person's life, they will still struggle. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it, it not only does it vary from person, and beyond that, again, we've talked about this before, don't assume your, don't project your journey on other people. No sin is completely unconquerable without Christ. Yeah. Right? If you have Christ in your life, yes, you can now, you would now have the ability to beat every sin, not the automatic conquering victory over it. Does that make uh, sense? Well, uh, like, yes, you are saved, you're justified, and this is a whole other thing we can get into. So that sin no longer has power over you, or in the sense that you're no longer a slave to it, but you can still struggle with it. Yeah. In the same way that the Israelites left Egypt, but then it took them... Well, I don't know if they ever really learned the lessons, but it took them generations before they began to get rid of Egyptian culture. Um, and and it's just it does it's not right away. Well, and this it's is not like, right can away. Can we just let testimonies not be a duet? Like it doesn't have to be an either or as far as you've beaten it or you haven't beaten it. Like let it let it just like well, well what are you saying? What do you like? This is what God has let done. Let people's stories stand on their own. I think, again, it goes back to, are you talking about yourself or are you talking about God? And if you're talking about what God has done, again, you can understand why none of that really matters. You know, it it doesn't matter if you've been there or if you haven't. All you're doing is you're focusing on, look at what God has done. Look at what he, look at what God did for me. I had to be careful. I'm going to say what he did for me. Um, Look at what God did for me, right? Like, that's the point. And when we when we come from that standpoint, it solves so many problems that we end up facing in our church, not the least of which being uh, uh, for attention, right? Because when God gets attention, I love the, the description Jesus gets, right? When you do good works, do them and do them publicly so that people can see you and glorify your Father in heaven. That's my favorite right? verse in all of Scripture. Like, do good works. Don't shine your light on a hill. Now— when you do think good things for people, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing, right? So there's a balance. But the point is don't don't cover it. Put your light up on a hill. Live your life in a public place where people can see it. So they'll see you and say, That person definitely has God in their life. Yeah. No, I, I and and don't do it for self self acclamation. This is one of those things. You know, the only story that people ask me to tell is the story of how my dad died and my mom got cancer and fought it three times. And every time, Wait, yeah, and every time I share that story, uh, the reaction is, oh, "I'm so sorry you went through that." Like no one cares at all about the after part at all. And the only good, like, the like, only like good that people can see out of through, it, yeah, like 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 you you that happened in the past. I'm good now, yeah. though. Yeah, exactly. No one cares about what's happened since then. Very rarely does someone ask me, "Yeah, hey, how so? How have things been since then? How are you now?" Right? No one ever asked that question because they expect that, oh, yeah, my dad died eight years ago, so I'm fine now. When actually, the last anniversary of his death was the hardest out of all of them. <laughs> um, but no one asked that. No one cares. And no one cares about any I mean, other I, part of my I story, care. like in general. And this is, this is where I think I need to—this is where I want to kind of end or close off this episode, which is the onus is not on church leadership. I mean, it is on church leadership. The onus is on church leadership to— not glorify those stories. The onus is on us to respond better <laughs> to uh, to non-exciting or non-dramatic stories. Like, 
Yes. The onus is the yeah. onus is on us to journey maybe, together. Maybe start saying onus. Maybe say responsibility. I mean, you. It just sounds funny. I mean, it sounds to funny. To be fair, you told uh, all of our listeners earlier that you gave it up at camp, so I don't feel as bad for saying onus. Um, I yep, did not. You literally did I said, say that? when you show your testimony oh, well. at camp, you gave that up at camp, and I thought it was really funny, and I forgot to make a joke about it. But yeah, that was, that was well, roughly thirty minutes ago. So the word onus begs credulity. So. <laughs> I hate you. That's hooey. Uh, the responsibility is on us to treat our stories better, to treat each other better, and to not always look for the the hyped up testimony. There's nothing wrong with the hyped up. Like, let me let me add this too, because there might be someone with that with that horrible, you know, whatever past. We're not shaming you for having a horrible past. No, 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 no. Please understand that. There's nothing wrong with and, with and with your story. Um, give your give your hour and forty five minute testimony. Like. If, if that's, that's what if that's your story is, how you're going to do it, go yeah, for it. Absolutely. What we're saying, our issue this entire episode is more on the listeners, the receivers, and those that put you on the pedestal rather yeah. than the and person who's actually lived you, through yeah. it. So please know that we are not upset at those who were involved in some terrible no. thing. No. Um, but yeah, we need to do better. Because you're not there and we're not there either, man. No. You know, none of us have it figured out. And and again, that's why I go back to I don't want to shame anyone when I say, you know, this was a bad testimony. Or this was a good testimony. To me, it's just this is what. Did, did they focus on what God did or not? To me, that's the standard is it's, it's not. Oh, this person, did, because they haven't figured it out. None of us have. Like, I'm not sitting there like, oh, well, this dude was 50, so he should have figured. No. I've met 65-year-olds that are just starting out on the Christian journeys, and they've been in church their whole lives, and they are truly just starting out as on the Christian walk. And I've met 12-year-olds that, that, that just, I was amazed at how much they had figured out of life. Yeah. We're all on a, on a walk, and that's, I think, the point that you're trying to make, yeah. you know, Ryan, is that we need to, we as listeners need to encourage that and need to say everyone has a right to share their testimony, Everyone has a right to, or everyone has a responsibility to share their testimony, but it's on us to make sure that yep. we give the glory to God. We also have the other issue of glorifying the testimony as the only solution to everyone's problem, forgetting that there's nuance in every story, and there may be. And we do this yeah, especially with up. LGBTQ plus, but that's neither here nor there, and that's a we need to follow yeah. up. Um, but the. Um, I think the other thing, the, the the other response that people would have to this is, well, yeah, but people are naturally drawn to drama, right? Like people love drama, and that's just a, you just need to accept that, Ryan. People love drama. I'm like, okay, well then that's a problem, and we need to fix it. Like, <laughs> why are we just accepting that we're naturally drawn to drama and that dramatic things get all the attention? Like, why why yeah. don't we hold we ourselves do to a better standard? Like that just isn't acceptable yeah. to me. I'm sorry. I, I I yeah, I'm with you. I that's that doesn't hold water with nope, me. I, like you can you can absolutely do better. Yeah. So. We need to. Yeah. You, we, we, need, we yeah, can, I can do, do better. better. We, remember what we shared about in that projection. I can the do church better. I'm not I need to do better. This isn't a projection. This is an observation. I will say <laughs> at this point, this yeah, is an fair. observation. Um, fair. Absolutely fair. Well, hey, I think this yeah, is a we good can topic. Do better. I, think, I think we've 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 uh, beat our point into the ground here. We fixed it. Uh, we fixed it. We've, we've, we've solved arrived. the problem. We, fixed we will it. never. The church will never struggle with testimony issues again. I'm going to give my testimony about this episode. Yes, absolutely. So, hey, thank you guys so much for listening to Absurdity. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you subscribe to us on iTunes, please leave a review. I would very much appreciate it, as would Tony. If you want to support us financially, you can head over to patreon.com slash absurdity podcast and 
you can uh, opt to donate $1, $2, $5, whatever you want. Um, $5 gets you ad-free episodes plus a bonus episode a month, um, while any level gets you, uh, any level of patron gets you ad-free episodes. And here's the cool thing about Patreon. You can actually, it, it will give you, once you become a patron, it will give you a personalized RSS feed that you can copy and paste into any podcast podcast app you use like apple podcasts so you don't have to use a patreon app or go to my website every time you it will just show up on whatever app you're currently using to listen to absurdity which is really cool so go check that out if you want to donate it really helps us and it doesn't charge till the first of the month so you can sign up at any time and be okay um and then also go check out our facebook page facebook.com slash absurdity podcast and give us throw us a like that would really help us out but hey thank you guys so much for listening uh if you want to contact us all of that is in the show notes tony thank you for doing this with me every week absolutely love you man um and yeah we'll see you guys next week today's episode of absurdity is sponsored by the haystack The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology.